on this 21st Sunday after Pentecost. The Old Testament reading is from Proverbs chapter 3, beginning verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will burn over with new wine. He rends the Old Testament. The epistle reading is recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning the first verse. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in great rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to us in keeping with God's will. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. We stand in honor of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 12, beginning the 41st verse. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live in, live on. Here ends the Holy Gospel. Well, this is different. Okay. I have two things. I got a shepherd's crook and a broom. Wonder what that's all about. I'm going to put the shepherd's crook away. So what's this broom made out of? What do you see? Hay, straw. Yeah, what else? And a big stick. We're going to talk about this more, but in order to make an old-style broom, I couldn't find any straw, but I picked this off some old dead flowers. Can you clean anything with this? Please don't say your ears. Your nose? And not your nose either. <laughs> In fact, 
just one of these things, is this very tough and strong? Try to break it. <laughs> nothing to it. I can do it. See, nothing to it. You want to try it? Not hard. Okay, now we're going to have a pile of stuff here. Okay, that's good. A piece of straw by itself is not even as strong as this, and you can't do much with it. But when you take a whole bunch of them together and you bind them to this stick, now you have something that can actually do something, like sweet things. When we hear the Apostle Paul this morning, he's talking about how everybody even in a very poor congregation, still was working together, even though everybody thought they were too poor to do anything, too weak. But they were bound not to a stick, but by faith they were bound to Christ Jesus. So they wanted to do things together. As a congregation, we can do more things together than trying to do things just one or two people. So God wants us to trust in Jesus by faith to be bound to him. And then there's all sorts of stuff we can get done. That's a simple idea of what's called stewardship. Working together in serving Jesus all for everybody's benefit. Okay, you can head back. Sure, you can take that. Or maybe I should have one of you doing this. Close enough. This morning we're going to talk about something rather controversial. Can any of you easily get to your pocket change? Can any of you pull out a dime? A dime. Ken's got a dime. No, he doesn't have a dime. Oh, Lori has a dime. Okay. The modern dimes have Franklin Delano Roosevelt on them, on the front. This happened immediately after the close of World War II. And on the back, there is a bundle of things all bound together called a fascist. A real Roman fascist was a bundle of rods bound together and there was a big hatchet or axe at the top. If any of you are old enough or are coin collectors, you may remember the dime previous to the FDR dime. It had a full fascia on it with an actual axe. The modern one thought that sounded a little bit too much like Benito Mussolini and the fascists 
in World War II. So when they redesigned the dime immediately after that war, they weren't going to keep the axe and that warlike thing. Instead, they put a flame on the top and turned it into a torch, which is really not the point. You have to find old dimes to find a hatchet at the top. I thought about making one till I found that all my sticks that I can find were all crooked. So instead, I did this. I had some of these old palm fronds from last Palm Sunday, and they had been bound around a stick. This is a kind of fascist, only it's meant for cleaning. People who came to this country and had to clean things would go out and take straw or almost anything they could find and bind it around a stick, and this is how they made their early brooms for cleaning. Now, what's all this got to do with St. Paul and the Macedonian Christians? The church back in Judea was having trouble. They were persecuted by the Jews. They were not allowed to do trading or selling. They were being persecuted to the fact that they didn't have a way of making a living. So Paul, wherever he went, said, please remember the plight of your brothers and sisters back in Judea. Do what you can to help and support them. There was no such thing as foreign aid back then. If you couldn't get a job, if you couldn't work, if you couldn't make money, you just starved to death. That's what was happening to the church. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, a very rich church, a church where all the trade of the, that part of the Mediterranean passed through that canal in Corinth, Paul wrote to the church in Corinth that was rich and was really chiding them for being so cheap and uncaring. There were brothers down in the home area that really needed their help, but the Corinthian church just kept tight to their money. They were the original Scotsmen. They were cheap and miserly. Paul gives the example of the church in, of all places, Macedonia. Have any of you been to West Virginia? Okay. And then by comparison went into Virginia. Virginians look at West Virginians as a bunch of dumb, stupid hayseeds, a bunch of hillbillies. They are very poor, but that doesn't mean the Virginians care much for them. Of course, there's a long history that mitigates against that. The Macedonians were the poor, dumb country hicks of Greece. They're up in land that's very poor, it's colder, more rocks than soil. This is an extremely poor area. What's astounding is 
of all the places that heard about the need back in Judea, Paul sees the Macedonian church as the great example. Scholars have noted that probably the church in Corinth, in terms of the amount of offering, probably gave more. But very few of the people actually were giving any of it. They were letting the rich guys take care of the whole thing. That's not the way stewardship is supposed to be. Stewardship is supposed to bind people together like a fascist, to strengthen them together around one, which is Christ. Paul had some difficulty. Apparently, when he told them about the need, they wanted to give even while they were going through a great difficulty and trial. They had not merely petochos, poverty, which means that they barely have enough to eat once a day. They had extreme or severe poverty. They weren't even getting one meal a day in some cases. In this little part of 2 Corinthians, we see that even Paul himself didn't have much faith. He had the kind of faith that trusted more in money and in goods to get people through in life. And so we're told, when he looked at how poor they were, he tried to talk them out of it. How can they possibly be giving anything when they don't have anything themselves? But our text says that those Macedonian Christians, poor as they were, had been touched by Christ's love and therefore they wanted to give. They had to beg and plead with the Apostle Paul for what they called the privilege of sharing in this service to their fellow believers. But again, notice, Paul was against it at first. He trusted in having enough money as a necessity before you can possibly give. This isn't a new problem. Americans have the same difficulty. Sometimes Christians will say, oh, I'd love to get more. I'd love to give more to different activities for church, more things we can do together. But, you know, I have trouble making ends meet. I would be amazed what the reaction might be if a Macedonian would show up this morning and actually look at how rich we are by comparison. Our problem is the same as the Apostle Paul's. We think that money has to be to a certain amount before we can give anything. If we switch gears to the gospel reading, we see especially the example of a poor widow woman. Now, if you're a widow and your husband is gone and there's no indication that there were any children to help this poor woman, the only way she got anything was probably to go to the temple courts and sit there and beg but the Jews had a funny way of dealing with that. They thought putting their money into the temple treasury, where it would go around kind of in a funnel and make a lot of noise, that that was more high and holy than helping a poor widow. So she never had too much. If you look on your sheet for this morning, that funny thing at the bottom is a mite. 
It is called a lepton. It's the smallest coin. One sixty-fourth of a day's wage. And again, as the translation said, worth but a few pennies. She had two of them. That's all she had. And in fact, the term at this point in the Greek says that was her bios. That was her life. If she didn't have that, she had nothing for the day. She would not eat for who knows how long. But compared to the rich guys who came in and dumped in bags full of copper coins, so it made lots of racket as it went around the tube and finally in the chest, she comes up and puts in these two little coins, which is everything. They barely make any noise. Who would notice? But Jesus does. He doesn't just notice the racket of the rich guy's coins going around by the hundreds, but he knows what's going on with this woman. She is putting God first, as it talks about in Proverbs. And you will notice, please, the promise that's in Proverbs. You might think that if you put God first, you're going to be poverty-stricken. Again, that was the problem that even Paul was thinking with the poor Macedonians. Maybe put in something later when you're back on your feet. But the promise in Proverbs is, in putting God first, you won't end up poverty-stricken. Your barns will still be full, all for the necessities that you need in life. So we notice here the key to this whole notion of stewardship is every gift is valuable, even if it's very tiny. Never think to yourself that my dime, as kids often have, or my little amount is of no use. When you bind all the gifts together, amazing things can happen. If we only leave it to those who are more richly endowed with money, there is really no stewardship. But to do this together is the first concept. And the reason is that they understand God's mercy toward us. The Apostle Paul talks about Jesus later on to the Corinthians. He talks about our Lord Jesus who, being rich, became poor so that by his poverty we might become rich. The richness has to do with God's overflowing love that showed at the cross. It was displayed for all to see and was meant to make a whole lot more noise than a bunch of coins going round and round into a treasury chest. The love of Christ constrains us, says Paul. But secondly, our trust in God's care, demonstrated first at the cross, is what enables us to do these works together. It's that we do it together. It's our love and response back to Christ. We end up being fascists in the good sense of the word. According to history, the Roman fascia were bound by red leather straps. These were bound and wound around to hold things together. 
For us, these red straps should remind us of Christ's blood shed for us. It binds us together around him. Therefore, Paul will also say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Not earthly things, but matters of God's kingdom. Working together in Christ, there are amazing things that we can do. We're not the largest congregation in Grand Rapids, that's for sure. And yet by the gifts that we give, whatever size they are, God will be able to bless them because we're bound together for a common use and a common faith. And the blood, the red blood of Christ, is what binds us together. This is the basis of our simple stewardship, faith in Christ and being bound together. Amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.